You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Dion Bliant, Director of Global Talent Development at Sunwing Travel Group. Driven to help people thrive in dynamic organizational cultures, Dion spent 17 years in corporate retail operations in roles focused within learning, development, and people initiative. Then in 2015, Dion aligned his career focus by officially joining the people and culture side of the business. Now, within North America's largest vertically integrated travel group, Dion oversees talent acquisition, training, development and engagement, bringing aligned methods of support and a collaborative approach while maintaining divisional uniqueness where necessary. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Dion discuss Sunwing's two-year journey going from traditional HR to people and culture, from administrative to strategic partnerships, how to unite culture and align teams when operating from 10 plus countries around the world, the leader's role in the change leadership model, and ways that all companies can reinforce leadership competencies for the future. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today I'm excited to have my fellow Canadian, Dion Lyon, with us today. Dion, welcome. Thanks, Ron. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was uh, I was saying, you know, it's nice. Uh, you're, the, you're the second Canadian I've talked to today, and, <laughs> and it's great. I feel like, we, you know, before we took the summer off, we did the global tour, and not that I not that I didn't enjoy that, but it's nice to be home. Yeah, yeah, sense. for sure. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Actually, it's nice to be a part of that select group. I guess that's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and when I looked, um, I was excited seeing that we you know had you on today, especially your association being you know director of global talent development with Sunwing, big corporation, and mm-hmm. so you know the only other airline. Um, individual we've had was someone from Southwest, Sherry Conway. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is interesting. And so look, I'm I'm really excited to have you today. So again, thank you for your time and and My let's pleasure. dive into it. G- give me a snapshot, Dan. You're Canadian, but but just talk about just quickly what got you to this role today. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting journey. I think I I'm actually originally from Western Canada. I grew up in the uh, Edmonton, Alberta area. Um, and when I was there, I actually started working with an organization um, called the Forzani Group. So it's actually the company that owns Sport Check and Atmosphere. And um, I, w- I started, you know, floor level, um, retail floor. Frontline. Yeah, frontline. Moved my way into the head office um, part of that organization in Calgary. Made the move to Calgary and uh, actually spent 17 years there in, in uh, operations. Um, so started really in the, in the world of training and development from an operational perspective. And so that I think, um, has given me a unique, um, you know, unique, unique way to sort of pave my path through my career. And while I was there, um, near the end of my tenure there, I did a master's of arts in uh, leadership, um, through, uh, Royal Roads University in Victoria, BC. Wow. And it was there that, that I, I kind of really made the official move from operations to uh, HR or, or people and culture. And I got recruited shortly after that by my now boss, Kelly Davis, um, who was actually the head of HR at another retail company in Toronto. So I made the move from Calgary to, to Toronto, uh, officially joined the world of HR um, uh, in a director role with her. And then uh, she made the move to Sunwing Travel Group 
where she asked me to come join her as well. And she's, she's the uh, chief people officer uh, here now. So, yeah, so it's been about 21 years, I think in, in business, um, you know, leading people-based programs and, and things like that. So I'm curious, cause, cause it's an interesting history, right? You've got, you've got now HR previously, uh, operations and some leadership training in there right yeah yeah and what's your opinion dion is is i i believe that the lines are a little blurred now between operations and hr thoughts i think i think they should be uh blurred i think that the you know i think it can be challenging for some but i've i always found you know i kind of had that realization personally as a as an individual you know when i was a um very focused operational uh individual i always thought you know, wrongfully that the HR team didn't really get reality and wasn't really, you know, they they didn't know how things quote unquote actually worked. And then as I, as I expanded my own frame of view and learned a little bit more about, you know, diverse perspectives and intersectionality of, of some of these roles, um, I began to realize that, you know, the, um, there can be a important um, marriage there between uh, an operational drive, but a people uh, and leadership mindset, right, which, which ensures that, that the execution of things are being done, but they're being done in the most um, effective, positive, gal, you know, culturally supportive way. Um, so when I became more of a um, HR-focused professional, um, I also found that, you know, there was a need to bring in that operational mindset. So I think there's an important balance there. And I think that the the most effective operators understand the people side of it. And the most effective, you know, people, um, HR leaders understand the execution side of it. Yeah. Because old, and I don't know, I'm labeling old school, but, but old school companies typically did that, right? If you were in ops and then there was a people problem, you needed a person. There was a problem with the person. It was like, Oh, over to HR or HR help me with this. And you're right now, if, if you're in operations and you can't lead, develop coach like these are skills you almost need now like the, the, yep. that you you have to have a people skill people focus <clears throat> even as as small as because because even though i think they're coming together the one thing that i think is still left behind that people you know the, the beginning hr is like recruitment right that's where it yeah. starts i'm a recruiter yeah <laughs> everybody should be recruiting yeah. You know, the HR doesn't know what the, they're just like an administrator who sends out advertisements for the role yeah. that you know about. Yeah. You are responsible to fill your team. You're the leader of the team, right? Yeah. And, there's and no so I better, think they get that wrong. There's no better recruiter for any team than the, than the individual leading that team. There's nobody that knows those, uh, the roles and the needs of that team better. And so, yeah, it is, I, I fully agree. And we actually, um, within my team at Sunwing, we have a, what we call an internal recruiting agency model um, where we actually have a, a group of recruiters uh, and a wonderful leader named Miran who, who drives that, um, that strategy for us. We don't, we don't like to use outside agencies too often for that. So. Right. Yeah. And, and let's, so let's go to Sunwing. Um, I know there was a shift from, you know, traditional HR to people and culture. What, what was that? What were the key headlines on the shift? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it began when, when Kelly joined the organization about two and a half years ago. Um, I think there were probably um, glimmers of it previous to that. Um, but I think, you know, for the majority, without, without being um, critical of the organization, I think even the, the leaders today would, would look back and say, yeah, I think the HR 
function within the organization was more traditional. It was more administrative. It was more of that, you know, paper pushing um, type engine. And it was, um, you know, more of an ad hoc use of those individuals. And so, um, you know, when Kelly came in and Kelly's very collaborative and very interested in gathering feedback and ensuring that that uh, feedback is being acted on and that, that the, the people and culture team is, um, is building credibility that way. So I think it helped to create some tangible changes. I think one of those tangible changes was the actual name change going from human resources to people and culture. Uh, that name, yeah, I think that name itself brings some, some symbolism with it and um, sounds, you know, more strategic uh, on, on its face. Um, but with that name change, um, Kelly also, before I joined the organization, um, but her and I have done this together before, she recalibrated the, the values and the purpose statement within the organization at the same time. And so I think that that tangible action and initiative um, and, and bringing that to all of our divisions throughout Sunland Travel Group, to our hotels division, to our destination management, to the airline, to the sales division, and to the, the corporate division was, I think, critical to kind of engage everybody together in the same thing, get people moving in the same direction and understanding, you know, our, our values as how we act. And then our, our purpose, uh, which is passionate people making vacation dreams come true as, you know, what, what we're really here to do um, mm. for, for our, our consumer base. So I think that was a big thing. Um, and then I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, what, what we've tried to continue to do, and we're still on, still on this journey, is just taking a seat at the table, getting involved with the business. I think, you know, there's been a, a focus on bringing uh, people and culture level talent to the organization, widening the frame on what we're capable of. Um, so bringing in experts around total rewards, experts around uh, compensation, experts around learning and development, organizational development, strategy, um, you know, business execution, um, I think is, is an important thing to ensure that we, we are maintaining those, those traditional roots, but also growing those roots so that we have a widened frame of, of capability and talent to offer the organization. And then just being, you know, our best during every interaction with, with the business. I love that. <clears throat> I, I, but I want to rewind because it's very interesting. It seems you know, through a lot of these conversations, it certainly uh, was my experience. You know, I would have said at the time we're going from HR to people and culture, I just would have known, to, I wouldn't have even known to say that, but I was just, I think if I had to describe it, it was just creating a culture and not having one before. Those would have been my words. But sure. this this theme of, of creating, dusting off, leaning into your values, right? Yeah, yeah. And creating the purpose. Why do you think that's the first move? It seems so common. It was for me. Why is that so important from your perspective? Well, I think, you know, and as, as you, you uh, definitely know, and I think a lot of HR leaders know is that culture, culture will create itself, right? So you can form a company, form a community, and the individuals within that company or community will, a culture will be formed inevitably. Yeah, and, we say default or design, right? Yeah, it's right. So it'll be default, it will, you know, and, and it will, it will be most often created by what that group of individuals determines as acceptable and what they determine as unacceptable. So that will create itself. In order to ensure, we believe, in order to ensure that the company culture matches the brand that we present to our 
customer and matches the employee experience that we that we believe is the is the best for our employees we want to be purposeful we want to be deliberate we want to we want to design that culture so our values and our purpose statement we see as almost uh, two parts of a three-part equation so um you know values plus employee experience plus purpose actually equals the culture the the culture is the output of we believe leaders driving messaging communication programs that are um, influenced by our values our purpose and then um you know improve on that employee experience and make the employee experience the best and then when the the culture is born from that then that culture drives performance and then that performance drives results and so then then you know i think that that is the most um, sort of elevated view of that so we've actually created that culture equation um, in a number of our, our programs and our messaging where we show leaders this is how this is how we deliberately want to frame our culture and we want you to know as a leader you have a responsibility to bring right. this to life you have a responsibility to drive this and i'm curious because obviously when sunwing's doing this it's a lot harder than me having a national company and you know a few thousand employees across the country you know how many countries is sunwing in uh, over 10 over 10 okay yeah. so was this piloted somewhere and then was it six months okay readjust that really didn't work this worked great and what and if so what were some of the key learnings before you moved on or were you involved in that process or around we're, yeah process? i mean we're still on that journey and and so i think the 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 values and the purpose statement came from um focus groups and and survey processes to the organization to get um all employees input on that so um, the employees came together from all of our different divisions to, to provide that feedback and and sort of help steer the direction that that went in. And then as we've gone and we've gotten more clear on what that culture equation is, we work with the people and culture teams in each of the divisions to go, you know, where does this land um, well? Where does it align well? We're, we're a trilingual organization. So we actually do everything in English, French, and Spanish. So we make sure even to the point of our, you know, our values are called be epic. And so we actually make sure that that we made sure that 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 uh, made sense in French and Spanish as well as as in English. But, it's but interesting. So, so be epic, because I was my, my brain was going to and I'm always curious. And maybe this is the answer is, you know, do some companies change their core values based on cultures? And but but be epic. That doesn't matter. Ten countries, just be epic, right? Like yeah, yeah. That it sounds like it was okay with you. The the key headlines it didn't matter what country you were. Yeah. You didn't, and did you have to do any adjustment based on culture, like no. like root culture? No. No, I don't think so. Well, because like I think it's up to it's the way those are brought to life are different based on the based on the country. The culture. execution of yeah. them, right? Yeah, right. and I think that's where as an organization you have to have a little bit of flexibility because I think a lot of times um, we want to put out okay we are entrepreneurial passionate innovative customer centric those are our values everybody has to you know rise to that and you know um, achieve that but it looks different it, it even looks different based on a team culture right so an IT department you know um, brings that to life much di more differently than a sales department does um, our teams in, in Mexico bring that to life in a different way than our teams in Jamaica Right. And they, they may be doing similar jobs, but the way that they are as as a community, as a as a country culture 
um, I think gives the flavor, gives the, you know, the nuance. Right. So the key headlines are, are guidelines, actually. Like, look, yeah. it's, it, this is it. You figure out how, you know, how you do that in your division, in your place where you, you know, right. Yep. So you're giving, it's, there's a balance of autonomy. You know, the leaders can figure out what their team and, and bring those to life, which in ways that make sense at the local level. Yeah, absolutely. It allows, it allows them to make them their own and bring them to right. life and be authentic. And, and it, and it, you know, it allows that inclusivity of that to, to bring everybody together and say, you're a part of this. Well, but it's funny because, and I know one of our topics is change management, but that is part of change management, right? It's, is because I think that people don't see change management having to, um, I don't even know if they think about it in cases when it comes to, to trying to, you know, transform the culture. It's huge. Yeah. It's more yeah. relevant, right? And exactly what you're talking about is having them buy in involved with the process for buy-in or am yeah. I wrong? Well, no, I love to think about it as well as change leadership as opposed to change management. I think, you know, we have some mental models around change management and the, the steps to take throughout that. But I think when you, when you view it as change leadership, there's a much, it's much more of a relationship um, based type interaction that's going on and less of a almost project management focus, you know, and I, I, I always um, kind of go back to that Kurt Lewin, um, you know, the three states of change model where it's, you know, the current state, we're frozen, we need to be unfrozen in order to move to the transition state. It's in that transition state of change where all of this, you know, flexibility and nuance and understanding the, the culture of the country the culture of the team, the culture of the organization that I think really comes in and leaders need to really be, you know, holding hands with the individuals that are on the receiving end of that, of that change and then help them get into that future state, which then is kind of the new habits and the new way of doing things in which we, we refreeze people until we need to unthaw them again and move through other change. But the unthaw, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but is that just state of mind? Or not when you say they're frozen, so. right? It can be, and I think sometimes it's just habit, you know. So if if you know if um, you know reports are run on Mondays for ten years, and then you know we say we want reports run on Fridays, you know, there's going to be inevitably people you know that come in, um, log in on a Monday and start running the report and go, oh, I forgot we're actually doing that on Fridays, and so it's a it's just a matter of that you know creating a safe environment for people to, you know. Um, you know, try to, you know, jar them out of that, that frozen state into going, Oh, I need to move this way. And so part of this journey, and you mentioned earlier, this is ongoing. Where are you guys in the journey today? Objectively, where would you say it is? And what are the challenges there today? What are the big, like, ah, this is the one thing we need to kind of get through? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're still early in the journey. I think there's still a lot of opportunity. It's been it's been about two and a half years, I think, since um, the beginning of it and, and sort of Kelly really breathing life into it and, and, and starting to build her team. And, and, uh, and by the way, I love that you said lots of opportunity. Yeah, actually. yeah. Like, because that's how you're going to get through it, right? These are it's, opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I think that there, it will continue to be for, for years to come. We'll, we'll have so much opportunity to continue to um, guide and, and build this with the leaders uh, in the organization. It's a, it's a massively complex organization. I mean, we have an airline, we have, um, you know, all-inclusive resorts that in, the, in and of themselves are, are like small towns. They're, you know, a thousand employees 
Um, and then yeah, they're full you know, communities, full communities. And, and then when you add full capacity of, of travelers to those, you, know, you, you have a community of 3000 people in, in a, in a location. Um, so these are, these are um, big groups of individuals that, that um, you know, you can't, you can't turn on a dime. You need to continue to influence. Um, and so I think that, you know, for us, the, the big things that we want to continue to do are to um, continue to, to, uh, deliver on our credibility with the leadership group, continue to, to show up for those leaders and show them that, um, you know, bring them along that journey and show them the benefit of thinking this way. Um, I think that we have, you know, um, we have a, a very entrepreneurial focused organization, um, which is, is a part of why we're so strong and why we're so agile. Um, but with that, sometimes you get, you know, the inevitable silos that, that come about. And so there's an opportunity to again, bring in that intersectionality of being a business leader, but also leading the team and also leading ourselves, right? Which requires, um, you know, self-awareness, requires learning, re requires communication. And that then developing those competencies with the leaders, we feel will we'll kind of pull everybody along with it. So um, I do think we still have lots, lots to do and lots of opportunity, but it's been, it's been a pleasure even even through COVID, you know, we found um, so many uh, incredible opportunities where we've seen leaders come together. Um, and even they, they have, you know, raised their hand to say, we wouldn't have acted this way two years ago, you know, and, and we're so happy that there's these, this new way of thinking and this new partnership with the quote unquote HR group on, on helping us and, and just, um, you know, guiding a little bit, a little bit. Why do you think that happened? Why did people come closer together? Did they need more help, more guidance? Well, why, why do you think that happened? Well, I mean, I think the, the pandemic forced people to um, ask for help. I actually think going totally virtually uh, and going totally virtual online actually brought people closer because all of a sudden you're in people's living rooms, you're in people's, um, you know, home offices, you're seeing, family in the background, you're, you're, you know, hearing the daily life occur behind that individual. And there's a different type of, um, I think, um, you know, um, tight knit, you know, sort of notion that comes from that. Um, and so I think that we experienced that in a big way. We were always trying to get our leadership group, which is a, a, a group of about 110 individuals. We were always trying to find the right way to get them together. And, and of course, Pre-COVID, we were always thinking we need everybody in the same room. We need to do a conference. We need to have them all together and, and away from their business. And it just, it was too complex and not possible to do. And then immediately when COVID hit, we were able to get all those 110 people on a Teams call right. and have very fruitful conversation. And it, it just, it became something that um, was a, a, a pleasant surprise, I think, through, through wow. the pandemic. Yeah. And I'm curious, uh, this came up on a, I read an article on uh, Harvard's, Harvard Business Review, and then I, it was something I had done once or twice and continue to do. I posted about the other day, which was, and I'm going to call it Zoom bombing, using the wrong, you know, because I know that was known to be very bad. But I think as a leader, it's kind of great to be like, oh, there's these people meeting about this thing. And I just show up and, hey, how's everybody going? And boom, I get out of the way. I mean, that was so disruptive before when you'd open yeah. the door or it was impossible. You just couldn't get there. Have you guys started adapt anything like that? Would be very different from the tradition of, you know, versus just now everybody can get together. Any any new habits that have, are you doing that or any new habits that have, have picked up? 
Yeah, I think a little bit of that is is occurring where, you know, there's some drop-ins happening. I think people are learning in our organization that not every meeting needs to be an hour long. Um, you know, not everything needs to be a, a long drawn out thing. Sometimes it's just a quick call. I think there's still room to learn about, you know, what happens when some of the organization goes back to the office, which will happen. We'll have a hybrid model. But what happens when some of those individuals don't come to the office and aren't in those meetings? You know, and, and we know that some of those in-person meetings, some of the decisions and some of the comments are made before and after the meeting and in the hallway waiting for the meeting room. And so how do we how do we show leaders and help leaders stay stay inclusive with everybody to, to ensure everybody's looped in on and that the that everybody gets the same opportunities, you know, um, based on being there or or not being there. So I think it's it's still a still yet to be determined and I think lots to learn and sort of keep our antennas up as leaders to to notice these these situations and i was curious dion with you know in your role in particular you know with global talent development and and i'm not exactly sure how that works but how do you keep your finger on the pulse and then you know like how do you how do you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening because i assume maybe i'm wrong that that's learning development for the organization i'm I'm sure you've got lots of help but that if there was something happened in one of these 10 countries and there was a skill that would be needed that would show up on your plate or how, how do you stay connected to what's needed? And then yeah. how do you react to that? Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit, like you said, it's, we also have people and culture um, teams that lead each division. So we partner with them and, and we actually have a role within my team. That's a um, global um, support uh, manager. And she, she actually stays in contact. Her name's Paulette. And she actually stays in contact with, the, the teams in all of our divisions and, and um, we'll do monthly touch bases and catch ups. And we, we were so involved in some of the global strategic stuff that's happening that we inevitably get some of that, um, you know, sidebar conversation as to what some of the other opportunities are. So it's just through maintaining regular touch bases and, and, you know, connection that way. And we all obviously also do the, you know, all employee engagement survey, um, pulse surveys, that kind of stuff. But we try to have a blend of formal and informal connection. So on talent development, does that also cover off training? Yeah, yeah. So we're, it's an interesting portfolio because we, we've blended uh, recruitment. Um, we've blended learning and development in there and then kind of this engagement piece. And then I bring a little bit of um, strategy development and talent and succession planning um, expertise a little bit to the role as well. So, um, and then, you know, like I mentioned that operations background, I think um, helps me really interact with business leaders and and understand, you know, how to create actual project plans and execute on, um, you know, tangible, make, make the theoretical tangible. So I want to talk about that. What, from your experience, what has been the biggest challenge in that? Where's the biggest bottleneck that you just kind of like this again, or, or maybe you've solved it, but what are the biggest challenges on the execution side? I think, I think when it comes to changing behaviors, I think that there, there is a, um, you know, over decades, business leaders have become uh, very good at creating plans and checking those items off and doing those, um, you know, physical, more transactional things. But anytime that it involves um, helping some person do something better, or it helps a person change their behavior in order to do something better it becomes a, a different, more um, 
you know, almost more aloof type activity. And I think that there's a more one-on-one. I mean, you can't do that through memo. That's it's conversational. It's, it's understanding where someone truly is coming from and where, what they think the issue is personally, because our assumptions of that can be incorrect so often. And so I think that there's a, there's a way to take these behavioral sciencey type things and actually turn them into tangible actions that leaders can do. So there's, there's, you know, reminding about certain questions to ask, or there's, you know, um, taking, taking the, the learning a new habit and making it a checklist type thing can almost trick our minds into thinking we're doing a transactional thing, but it's actually a, mo- a more inspirational relationship-based thing. So I think there's something there. I don't know. So, so what, maybe we should start a consulting firm that just comes up with those, yeah. those, those behavioral, <laughs> you know, brain-based tricks. But I think that, but, but I think you're right. There. You have to find that you have to go to the root. Like, okay, I bought in, you don't need to go there with me. It's like these mini therapy sessions, right? In yeah. some case, I don't know if you found that where you, you, yeah. you try to find the root belief yeah. of why someone doesn't want to go or, or behave in this new way or whatever it was. Right. It's yeah, like, totally. okay before it was policy now it's guidelines but that's a belief thing it was black yeah. and white now it's gray you know i think it supports what we said earlier about the intersectionality right so like business leaders um as soon as we start f- like widening the frame on what our what our responsibility is right we have organizational responsibility as a as a business leader i think more often sometimes what can happen is a business leader will be focused just on managing the business Right. And then the people on their team are used to manage the business. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that the managing the business is actually separate from the leading of the team. And so we need to kind of decouple that first and then learn mm-hmm. how those thread back together. And then what's even more important, I think, that, that is an umbrella over that is leading ourselves. So then understanding that my role as a business leader isn't just the, the numbers and the lines and the dots and, and, and X's, it's the what, what inspires my team and what are the biggest opportunities for each of my team members and how do I coach them and how do I help them develop those things and see how the development of those things actually moves the X's and the lines and the dots and the checkboxes forward, right? That's well, just the be- result. It's very important because what you're talking about, I believe, is what's missing. It brings it back to the beginning, which is I think some companies still think that's HR. That's 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 yeah. talent development. That's not my function as a leader. It yeah. absolutely is. You it need is. to be thinking about that. And what do you, you know, I I guess we both know people get caught in the weeds and then they don't have time for that. What is the solution? Is it no, you should block out two hours a month to think about that? What do you what do you think? Yeah. I think it's, it's just reinforcing leadership competencies. And I think it's leaders having, um, you know, some, some focus inward to say, again, like, what is my organizational responsibility? And if I was being led, you know, which we all are, uh, you know, what do I expect? What do I expect from the person that I report to? And, and do I understand psychological safety? And do I understand, you know, the importance of communication? Do I understand the importance of feeling developed? It, it, it's, it's just, you know, when we, when, we, when we place those responsibilities on only the HR, the people and culture team, we actually rob ourselves as business leaders of the opportunity to have a positive impact on our people's lives. We say, well, that's, it's their job to have the positive impact. It's my job to hold you accountable. 
And then, but how can you hold somebody accountable if you're not also inspiring them, right? You'll have more success inspiring and, and developing. Uh, you'll have more success holding somebody accountable if you're inspiring them and you're developing them. That's right. It'll move the needle. Otherwise, you're that you're where you were yesterday, right? Yeah. And you're not going to move. Yeah. And what else, Dion? What what else that you think for those listening out there from your experience, whether at Sunwing or, or or previous, is just something that that you think about, talk about that you think would be unique that maybe we haven't talked about today. Um, I, don't, I think it all it just you know, um, I don't know. I think we've covered so much. I I'm trying to think of some of the other sort of mantras that that we drive forward. I mean, again, I just think it's, it's, it's leaders that drive behavioral based values. It's leaders that bring the employee experience to life. And when employees can see their place in delivering on the organizational purpose, right? We're all, we're all in business to make a profit, but profit is oxygen. So if we don't have oxygen, we don't, we don't have the fun, you know, in, in life. And, and it's the purpose that is sort of the next inspirational, aspirational thing that we deliver as an organization. So it's funny. One, one thing I think about it as you were talking, and I certainly think about my business is the word leader, right? Because I think from past, it's the, the CEO is a leader. And then anyone with like an executive VP kind of title is a leader. And then maybe, you, you know, general manager is a leader. Yeah. But I think there's this movement to everyone being a leader. You know, and, yeah. and so maybe you're a leader of customers, maybe you're a leader of your, your own destiny. You know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I kind of think that, that we, there is still this, we're still stuck in, no, that I'm not a leader. No, no. Someone else does the leading. What do you, yeah. what do you think? Well, I think there's a, there's a, there's a societal, um, you know, uh, impression that leaders are presidents and prime ministers and sports heroes and, 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 you know, Hollywood stars. And I think that there's a misconception around leadership being about extroversion and about, you know, ability to speak in public. And the reality is that, you know, when you look at it from a business perspective, management skills have been explored and developed and, and, and defined for, for decades. And management really, uh, management skills have been borrowed from the military over decades. You know, the command and control, the, the, the um, you know, the general truly is elevated above everybody and can see the field and the front line truly is executing and it is truly life or death. And now as we've, I think we've come through the last couple decades where information is more available, um, you know, learning is more predominant, uh, people have more access to things that are fulfilling and, and, and people are, are looking at what do I get out of the work that I do rather than what do I deliver for the company I work for? And there's this real desire to feel fulfilled and to feel um, that, that we are contributing to a team. And, you know, like um, uh, what's the, uh, I can't remember the author's name right now, but there's the book, uh, Nine, Nine Lies of Work. Marcus Buckingham, Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Marcus. Goodall. Actually, we've had Ashley on the show. You should listen to the episode. Oh, is that right? Oh, amazing. Well, w- one, of the, one of the nine lies is that, that people want to work for an organization that is only doing good in the world. And the truth is people want to work in an organization where they feel like they're a part of the team and they feel that's like right. the leader has their back, right? And so that's the other part. If we're only managing people, then people don't feel like we have their back. They feel like they are pawns in our Excel spreadsheet. And so I think it's that also that differentiation between, you know, um, management skills 
and leadership skills and the idea that, that anybody can actually be a leader regardless of the title, regardless of the level, regardless of the role, people can be leaders. People, people can act in a leaderly way. And when managers by title, um, you know, really adopt some of those competencies and those skills, that's really when things get, get really um, beneficial and, and get really uh, positive between um, the, the leader and the, and the employee and, and the team and, and things start to really galvanize and gel. Yeah. Um, if, if every manager, every, every leader looked at anything they did and said, my job is to develop everyone's leadership around me, right? That's yeah. a different business, a very yeah. different business. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Dion, I, I can tell you this, it's been a wonderful conversation and I'm going to keep your cell phone on speed dial in case I'm ever on a sun wing vacation. We're stuck in the middle yeah, of winter. <laughs> please do. Yeah, we have some great locations. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I've been on a bunch and, <clears throat> and love sun wing and, and love the destinations. And I've always had a great experience with the staff too. Oh, I love it. That's great to hear. Yeah, they're, they're passionate. They're amazing. Yeah. Well, look, Dion, it's been a great conversation. Thank you for stopping in today. It's, uh, and, and, Maybe I get to see you in Toronto. I'll be back. Uh, my plan is to get back on the road. I actually heading to Edmonton and, and Winnipeg on oh, Sunday for a few days. My first post pan Well, not even, I don't know if it's post yet, but yeah. <laughs> pandemic travel and uh, Toronto at some point. So looking forward to that. So we'll have to keep in touch, my friend. Fantastic. Yeah, will do. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. This is fun. For more information about Dion Blyan, please connect with him on LinkedIn. For more information about the Scaling Culture podcast or the Scaling Culture Masterclass, go to scalingculture.org. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.